Do you think your dog might benefit from a little extra fitness? Maybe you want to tighten those left turns in agility or tighten their box turn in flyball. Or maybe they're just a bit clumsy and you need a little more body awareness. Welcome to the Canine Fitness Fanatics podcast with your host, Hannah Johnson. Join us as we talk dog fitness and other areas of canine health too. Our mission is to help condition dogs to reduce the risk of injury and increase longevity, whether that's in sporting dogs, working dogs or pet dogs. All dogs can benefit from a little extra fitness. Hey fitness fanatics, welcome to today's episode of our fitness fanatics podcast. Um, So today I'm here with Charlie who has got some questions for me kind of from the point of view of um, from an owner's perspective about conditioning. So I'm not going to make this a lengthy intro, just going to jump straight into it. So hello Charlie. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) So do you want to jump straight in and ask me your first question that you've got? Yep. So first one is what does conditioning benefit in each sort of life? So so why should people start out as puppies, adults to seniors, puppies to adults, that sort of thing? Awesome. Yeah, that's a really cool question. So um, puppies, definitely. I'll start I'll start with puppies and kind of work my way through to seniors. So with puppies, it's really important to kind of help with their growth and development. Um, so one of the biggest things that I always say with puppies is their proprioception. So their body awareness and being aware of where their bodies are is where their body is in space so as we kind of know like puppies tend to be quite clumsy they don't tend to know necessarily exactly where like the ends of their legs are they tend to be quite sort of tripping over and things like that so that's one of the skills that we like to really improve on with puppies is their proprioception because their body changes constantly almost every day particularly when they're really young Um, and because of that they've got to relearn where the end of their legs are all the time or where the end of their limbs are even like things like their nose their nose gets longer and things like that so you've really you've got to constantly kind of re-educate them as to where they're actually their parts of their body are so being more aware um of where their body is allows them to be kind of like less clumsy and therefore less slightly less prone to injuring themselves and things like that um my other thing with puppies as well is learning skills So learning the skills um, that we need to be able to take through to when we start doing strength and balance work with them. So, for example, um, having them stand nicely and being able to stand nice and still, not for long durations of time, but just building enough of that skill that they understand to stand still. They understand not to shuffle their feet. They understand to actually hold themselves in a good position so we can start building um, on their form. And like, for example, a lot of puppies Um, some will stand really nicely naturally but for the majority I always find that like little things like turning their paws out a little bit too much or uh, placing their back legs slightly too wide or their front legs slightly too wide or tucking their back legs underneath they're all things that we might see so we like to build on that when they're quite young just to start getting a little bit more form into place which also as you can imagine builds on their proprioception as well um also for puppies like it's just great mental stimulation so obviously um we always say about not over exercising puppies we don't go as extreme as to stick to the rule of five minutes um for every month that they've been born however we do say that like we need to be sensible with them and we're not necessarily going to because some puppies won't self-regulate um so 
a lot of puppies, particularly high drive puppies, which obviously we get a lot of that are doing conditioning because they're doing sports, they won't self-regulate. So you do have to tell them when to stop, but you can mentally wear them out instead. So rather than like trying to physically exhaust them, um, you can actually give them more mental stimulation by doing this because it's like it's training, essentially, particularly the skill stuff. It's just training at the end of the day. Um, and then you obviously you're building a bond with them when they're puppies as well. You're building a stronger bond because you're working together a lot. And then also teaching them to work a bit more thoughtfully. So again, with that, particularly with those high drive dogs, you guys, if you've got high drive dogs, you'll probably know what I mean um, by not necessarily working thoughtfully and being a bit more of a bull in a china shop, being a bit more reckless. Um, actually, by kind of instilling that thoughtfulness at a younger age, if it's something that they need, can be really helpful as well. Um, and then for adults... So with adults, we're just looking at their kind of their general health, particularly if it's a pet dog. So it's just keeping them fit and healthy for whatever it is that you want to do with them. So if you've got a pet dog, um, then maybe that is uh, playing fetch. Maybe you like to play fetch with them. Um, we've got a whole podcast coming up on safe ways to play fetch and things like that. Um, but thinking about fetch so that is one thing swimming is another thing um or hiking really long distance walks that people like to do with their pet dogs or rather than getting properly into canicross maybe you just occasionally like to go on runs with your dog so it's thinking about things like that for pet dogs then you've got your sports dogs um so we're thinking a lot about um what sports specifically is that they are doing and actually and the same foot goes for working dogs so are they doing agility fly ball etc we want to prepare them for those sports or jobs um, as much as we possibly can gun dogs um, working sheep dogs etc um, maintaining a good weight it can be really helpful for helping to maintain um, a decent weight without having to do masses and masses of obviously them running around a lot this is particularly for pet dogs um, injury prevention, obviously that goes all round, whether it's pet dogs, working dogs, sports dogs, it doesn't matter. Injury prevention is a massive part when at all stages, um, definitely. Um, finding as well, finding and strengthening those weaker areas. So that's what if, I've, if an adult dog comes to me, that tends to be one of the first things that we're doing is looking at their structure, seeing whether their conformation leaves certain areas weaker. So their actual structure um, and then actually finding those weaker areas as well. So may not necessarily be due to structure. So finding those weaker areas and strengthening them um, without with adults as well. We also we're thinking about slowing the onset of things like arthritis so obviously the fitter and healthier that they are and the better they can use their body then they are less likely to, to develop arthritis at a younger age obviously it is it's kind of inevitable really that they're going to get it at some point um, but it's actually just slowing when that actually um when that comes in Again, mental stimulation, building a bond, absolutely the same with adult dogs and seniors as well. Um, and this is also really great for reactive dogs who can't exercise as much. So if you've got a reactive dog, I mean, I've got a reactive dog and um, when she's trigger stacked, if she's had a full blown reaction, we actually have find that we have to give her three to four days off of actually going out 
um, of our of our house and our, on our garden because a lot of things d- will trigger her when she's overstimulated and when she's had that full reaction she's overstimulated so actually my like that was always a big concern of mine was I need to be able to do more at home with her to keep her physically fit if she's going to be having more of these days off due to her reactivity so that's another great one as well I've got quite a lot of reactive dogs obviously that work with me um, particularly like people reactive as well because a lot of our work's online based so you don't have to have another person there Um, you can actually like the owner can do it with them and hopefully they're comfortable enough with their owners to be able to do these things with them and then seniors um we're again thinking about helping slow the onset or progression of that arthritis um keeping flexible is really really important for senior dogs it takes a lot longer for older like the older our older dogs to actually develop flexibility so obviously it's important whilst they're an adult to keep their flexibility but obviously if they come to us when they're older it's building that flexibility back up um helping to maintain their strength particularly in the back end So the whole dog, but particularly their back end. And then I would say their core then kind of comes after that. Um, Most older dogs tend to stay quite stronger in the front end. And then their their back end is the first thing to go. Um, Proprioception is really, really important in seniors as well, because as they get older, they will start to lose their proprioception unless you make sure you keep working on it. And also helps to keep their brain active as well. So the same as they say with people, making sure that like... um, when you're getting older you're keeping your brain busy doing things like crosswords and stuff like that it gives their brain actually something to do when you're doing these exercises with them as well um so yeah that is my answer to that question sorry that was a very long one <laughs> well, yeah i completely agree with that, that from a senior dog perspective in the car is eight years old and from a reactive dog perspective i find it really beneficial for her but when optimally when should conditioning really start for them so optimally when they are tiny little babies uh, we can start doing work on them whilst with them whilst they're puppies absolutely that's optimum however they can start at any age so they are never too old to start the only thing that i will say is obviously if they've got a clinical condition or they've had a previous injury they must have completed rehabilitation first before coming into fitness and conditioning. Um, so, I mean, if I if a dog ever comes to me and I assess them and I think this is actually no, this dog needs a physio. Obviously, I'm referring straight back to um, their vets and to a physio. Um, and obviously, I, I always help people find a physio in their area. Um, obviously, I know quite a lot of people now up and down the country. Um, so I can give recommendations or if not, I've not got anyone in your area. Obviously, I can give you the tools that you need to find somebody that's qualified in your area. Um, so but yes, absolutely. Going back to the question, any age they can start. If you're starting them from puppies, obviously, like I've said, you're, you're already putting those skills in place ready for when they can do their strength conditioning. Um, and obviously, the younger that they start, the better, because the, the thing I like to think about with conditioning we say prehab before rehab. So if it's something that you can prevent, um, then it's much better. So when we say prehab, we're just kind of meaning preventative. Um, So before rehabilitation, um, so to speak. So next one, um, I know you've touched on it with the senior dogs, but is there any sort of consequences to starting, I guess, later than optimal, I guess? 
Um, yeah, so, I mean, yes, there are going to be consequences. Um, so you're going to get slower progression with certain things, like I've already kind of mentioned with flexibility. Um, the older the dog is, that tends to be, I mean, they'll all develop it at slightly different rates. Um, but generally speaking, the older the dog is, the harder it is to build their flexibility, the harder it is to build their proprioception, the longer it will take to strengthen them. So the earlier that you do start, the better. Um, and the other thing is like, you may not, if you start conditioning, you kind of, you get to know the way that your dog moves, or if you're working with a professional, they get to know the way that your dog moves. And actually what happens when you start earlier is you're more inclined to pick up on a problem before it actually kind of, um, sort of escalates and becomes something that is actually really quite difficult um, to then deal with you actually more inclined to find these things when they're a little niggle get on top of them and then they never actually turn into something big so that's another thing with starting later quite often we find these problems are already there and then we've obviously got to try and I mean like I said they may need to go back for rehab before they can then come back to me to actually start doing more conditioning whenever a dog's been to I should add if they've been through rehab and their physio agrees that they can start doing further conditioning work then absolutely they can come back to me and I'm more than happy to obviously work with them on these things um but yes like I've said that consequence is starting later. If you're starting with a puppy, they've already got the skills there. So the, the longer that you wait, um, it just, it just means that everything kind of takes longer to actually develop. Um, all of this, when I say develop, I just mean like the skills and things like that to actually develop, but there's nothing detrimental enough to say that a dog can't start at any age, providing that they've got no problems basically. So it doesn't matter what age they are. They can absolutely start or you, and you can absolutely come for a, a consultation with me if you want to. Yeah, no, when I started out, I had um, the one-to-one -one consultations, but what are some of the other options for like you owners to um, get started with conditioning? That's a cool question. So we've got lots of different options that you can do. Um, I mean, obviously, you can look for a fitness instructor in your area. Um, if you go to our page, I mean, we can recommend if you want one to one in person. Obviously, I'm in Oxfordshire, so you can come for one to ones in person with me if you're in Oxfordshire. Um, but I can actually sort of send you in the direction of some people in your area if you want one to one stuff. If you want online, I do most of my um, sessions online. So it's online one-to-one -one sessions um, over Zoom. And we do a lot of like video assessments. So I'll get you to film videos um, in prep for these sessions. Um, so that's your kind of like one-to-one -one options that you've got there. Um, I also do uh, group sessions in person as well. And some other people will do group sessions in person. It's, it's not, there's not that many people in the UK that do it. It's becoming more popular now. Um, but it can be quite hard to find people in your area, which is why obviously we like to offer as much remote stuff as we can. Um, and then the other option that you've got, if you're really keen on learning and you want more knowledge yourself rather than the one-to-ones and the group sessions are great, but you're just kind of like, I will like, even for me, I'll go through some smaller areas of theory, but the most thing is that we're just focusing on actually doing the fitness session whilst we're there. Um, if you want more knowledge, then online courses are great. Like we've got a couple of courses on our app um, and we've also got a subscription on our app so you can get access to lots more stuff if you um, subscribe on there as well. Um, and then the other option that we've got is actually the groundwork challenge. And for people that are new, 
a lot of people are really loving going through the we've got a six week groundwork challenge so it's fully coached for the full six weeks you've got contact with me all the time 24 7 kind of thing you can message me at any time for lots of help you've got access into our facebook group etc and you also with that challenge you kind of get two um, assessments in there and you get access into two of our courses on the app as well so a lot of people find that that bundle, because obviously it's heavily discounted being a bundled all together, um, is really beneficial when you want to get started with this. So moving on, how would people find like the time to condition it? How would they manage the time to make sure that the dog's getting enough and they're not like having like hours between sessions? If like that split a session up to um, manage time, how would you say people should really manage the time and get stuff done? Yeah, good question again. So um, my main thing to remember when you're working time-wise around conditioning is that you need to remember to give them 48 hours rest time between conditioning sessions. So like, for example, for myself, I do every other day. Um, I, I like to aim for at least three sessions per week. So for me, I structure it as Monday, Wednesday and Friday usually. Um, obviously this gets shuffled around a little bit because I've got four dogs um, and it also depends on what day their agility falls on so for example Navi falls on a Monday at the minute so actually her conditioning days um, I've shifted them back a day that I'm doing work with her um, and I would also say like so I've just given you an example there not to do the conditioning on the same days that you're doing strenuous activities um, so again I've had quite a few people kind of come to me and they've been like oh we do like five days worth of agility training um to me personally it's i would say that it's a little bit much um and actually i would be looking at shimmying things uh, around a little bit so that they do slightly less of that little bit more of the conditioning work um and actually a lot of the people well everybody that's come to me and i've recommended that too and they've taken the advice has found that actually their performance has gotten better and it's because you're giving the muscles kind of you're conditioning the muscles for one and you're also giving them a little bit more rest time in between and that's also really important um so rest days are also really really important for us um making sure that like my dogs will have a bare minimum of one rest day every single week to give them um time to time to just chill out um, and give the muscles time to recover as well. Um, I know that's a very, it's a very foreign concept for a lot of people to actually be like, but because we've, we, I think as, as owners, we've had it drilled into us that we are bad people if we don't walk our dogs every single day, which obviously is absolutely not the case. Um, actually, if anything, you're probably doing your dog more of a favor, teaching them to settle and have one day off as a chill day for a week um so yes time wise obviously you need that 48 hours rest time not on the same days as strenuous activities um and my thing as well is like you, you only need really to spend 10 minutes 10 minutes in that session as a minimum obviously if you can spend more than that and the fitter your dog gets you can spend more time but a minimum of 10 minutes three times a week so that's just taking half an hour out of your week total to actually do some work with your dog um, can actually be extremely beneficial for them um, and obviously whenever somebody comes to me and says that like I've only got this amount of time or I've actually feel like I've got no time like we do find workarounds for for you as well um, but this is what I sort of recommend to most people most people find that it's okay to try and find 10 minutes three times a week to actually fit um, fit the conditioning in all right so this next question actually 
relates to a lot of what I have with car. Um, my dog isn't trick orientated, so they can't spin for the life of them. Help? What do they? What advice would you give them? Okay, cool. So that's a good question again. Um, I do get some dogs that come through to us that aren't trick orientated. So obviously I have got quite a few pet dogs now that come to me. They've never sort of really taught them to do tricks beyond sitting and giving paw. Um, so the first recommendation I would say is if they've not got food drive, we need to build food drive and we need to find what food they really like and what they're happy to work for. You need to find something that motivates them. Um, for some people, because I have got a couple of clients that have got fussy dogs and they're not keen on food, they don't want to, or they've got diet, dietary requirements that mean that they can't have like kind of extra food outside of their um, food feeding time. So you can use toys. We absolutely can use toys in conditioning. Just to give you a small example, because a lot of people think, how are you supposed to use toys to get a calmer behavior? We normally find that the best thing is teaching a really good nose touch. So you can still kind of, you, you can use that hand touch, sorry, nose touch to your hand. And you can kind of use that as a lure to move your dog's head around. Some people also do it with a chin rest, um, depending on what the, the dog is more comfortable with. So there's a couple of things that you can do like that. Some people don't use their hands. Some people will use like a stick, target stick instead um, for the, to kind of guide their head around and then use the toy to reward them. So that's another thing that you can do. Um, but drive for either food or toy, I would say is pretty like, it's really important. And some people will come to us and say like, but I've, my dog's never had drive for food. So what do I do? And it's like, you, you can build food drive. Um, Aurora, my border collie, my second eldest border collie, she's nearly eight now. She had zero desire for food absolutely none when she was younger she didn't want to work for food she did initially when she was a tiny little puppy when we had her well tiny when we, when we got her when she was quite young and then at about four months she just went nah foods no now i'm done with food um and actually it took it took work but we had uh, it took us probably a good seven or eight months to really build her food drive back up but actually we did build that food drive um so it's definitely something that we can do is build that drive back in for food. So you've got a way to work with them. Um, frustration is another thing as well that we find in, a, in dogs. Well, whether they're trick orientated or whether they're not trick orientated um, oriented, sorry. Um, I would say frustration is one of the biggest things that we encounter. And again, I'm actually building a mini course on this to go onto our app is actually just dealing with frustration and conditioning because it's one of the things that we have to talk about a lot. Um, so that's the other thing. And then the other thing with tricks as well is that tricks themselves, when you start learning with them, you'll find that you have to keep your sessions quite short initially, but those will build over time as your dog mentally becomes fitter and also physically becomes fitter as well. And you'll find that it builds the connection with them, builds more of a bond with them. And the stronger that becomes, the more you can then do. So it's kind of like a positive spiral. Like it starts off really small, but actually you'll find that you'll once you kind of get into the flow of things, things get better, they can get better quite quickly with this, providing that you're doing it um, in the right way. So I know there's an expression I've not exactly followed to probably your advice, but if someone wanted equipment, what would you recommend them that's sort of groundwork friendly can be probably multi-used and really get some best value for the money? 
I love that. Sorry, I'm giggling straight away because of the fact that you were like, I've not followed this advice at all. <laughs> um, yeah, no, you're like, you're like me, aren't you? You're a magpie. We're like, we see all of the cool equipment and we're like, even though my dog's not ready for it, I want it because it just looks really pretty. <laughs> oh, God, I love that. Um, but yes, absolutely. Um, so, I mean, we, I'm saying that lightly, if obviously you saying that you didn't follow the advice, you bought the equipment, but you followed the advice to not use it until she was yeah. ready to clarify that. <laughs> um, so equipment wise, if your dog, uh, if you really want to get something and your dog is still on the groundwork, I would say straight away, something without balance would be best. Um, and proprioception, think about proprioception. So you'll see what I mean as we kind of go through this. So my top recommendations are the Kato board. That can be really great um, for kind of like your smaller size dogs. Um, I mean, you can use it with larger dogs, but you might find that you need two Kato boards. Um, however, if you've got a larger dog, depending on how large, not for obviously giant breeds, you would have to measure your dog to check out the um, kind of like whether the length suits. But you've got your Kato board and then you've also got the Kato plank. Now, the plank does come with a um, rocker on it as well. So actually, it's got quite a lot of uses. It is more expensive, but you'll see why when you see it. It's bigger, but it's also um, it kind of like tilts almost like a seesaw. Um, so you can do more things with it like that. And you can kind of prop one end of it up, for example, to work your dog on an angle, etc., etc. So those two pieces of equipment are really great. Um, we've got them both on our website. Um, then you've got the Sensi Mat and the Sensi Targets. Now, these are so great for proprioception. And I love these because you can use them on the balance equipment when you move on to balance equipment as well. Um, and anything, I mean, like they're very versatile. For example, like B has hydrotherapy and we actually do a lot of conditioning exercises in with her hydrotherapy for her now. Um, and we've started bringing the Sensi mat and the Sensi targets in when she's working on a bodyboard in the water. So she's on a flotation device while she's doing some of these exercises to make them more challenging. Um, but bringing those Sensi mats and Sensi targets in have been really, really good for helping her posture on the board as well. Um, so they're really great. And I love targets. I mean, it's one of the things if, to be honest now i was used to say initially like get the kato board first i would actually be tempted i would be more tempted to say now get the targets or the mat first so either get two mats or or four sensi targets if you've got a smaller dog you can get away with two um but you likely likely that you'll find that you actually need four total sensi targets you've got one for each paw they're really great um and then you've also got the fit pause target so they do targets as well they're slightly bigger they can be um they i find them more useful for sending dogs to things so for example on my when i'm doing cavaletti with them if i want them to hit a target at the end to make sure that they actually reach the end i can use the um fit pause targets but you can absolutely use them in the same way that i would use the sensi targets I just find that because the texture is, there's more texture on the targets, they tend to realize more. So you get more proprioceptive feedback. They realize more where their feet are when they're actually on them um, and they look for them more. Whereas I find that the, the fit pause targets, I think it's good to start with the sensi targets and move to the fit pause targets because they're not as obvious. So they do have to think more about where their feet are. So that's my kind of progression. If you've got both available, that's what I do with my dogs. Um, 
And that's what I would do with dogs working with them one-to-one in person. And then lastly, the other thing that I would say, so you've got your cater board and your plank. Another similar option is platforms. So you can get custom made platforms to size um, that do different things as well. Um, And you can also buy stacking blocks. They can be really, really helpful. Um, So stacking blocks and distance blocks that you can kind of work with. Distance ones are like, they kind of look like an L shape. They look, uh, they used a lot in, um obedience or sports like i find that a lot of people that do like mondoring if i've said that correctly um protection sports where they've actually got elements of obedience involved they use those distance blocks to help the dogs um kind of perform them at a distance without sort of shuffling themselves forward essentially um so that would be my recommendation for the platforms and stacking blocks i would highly recommend sarah's dog training creations you can find them on instagram um i love their stuff i really love their stuff i've got a few bits from them planning on getting a lot more oh yeah i've got one from there and i really like it but you can actually get the stacking blocks removed so you can use it as a flat platform and the raised one and just for the stacking blocks as well yeah that's super cool we definitely that's that's our next thing that we really want to get um because you you flip it upside down don't you so that then you can kind of velcro the blocks on and keep them in place and you can move the length you need them can't you yeah you can yeah awesome um have you got another question for me yep so the final one is it's one of the things i doubted a lot when i started out but um as long as the dog is healthy can people really do conditioning independently without like worrying about injuring their dog or doing something wrong yeah absolutely um so great question again um i would say yes as long as the dog is healthy you can do it independently providing that you are willing to learn um and you are doing so alongside the help of let's say like a course but i would always say that if you're going to go for a course make sure that you can kind of a lot of like courses online and stuff they'll they do have groups where that you can get feedback try and find one that you make sure that you get really good feedback from because obviously over the years i've done a few of these courses some of them are really good at giving you feedback others not so great um i would need i would say yeah make sure that you kind of like if you're going to do a course make sure that you're doing it with weight where at least initially you can get that feedback so that you know what you're looking for um that's really important you need a good eye for these things you need to know like what good form like uh, looks like in each of the exercises etc it's all well and good seeing somebody doing an exercise but let's say for example you went online and you saw somebody doing a pivot um and you think oh i want to do the pivoting exercise and that video that you've watched the dog is they've just got their front paws on a balance disc for example and they're pivoting around um like continually so not just 360 degrees they're just continually going around and around um the likelihood is a lot of these videos that we still see online the dogs have got their back legs too far tucked sort of underneath their body so too far forwards and then because of that their back will look quite arched um and i find this in a lot of dogs that come to see me that have done pivoting previously but not improved their form you need to know what good form looks like in those exercises so for example a couple of little things with the pivot straight away is we want to get those back legs further back and get that top line more level Um, And like one of the ways that I'll do this is by bringing them back to pivoting just 90 degrees and using targets underneath their back feet so that they keep that they're looking for those targets. So they keep those back feet back further. Um, 
So that is just an example to say to you, you can look at stuff online, but if you just go and copy what somebody else is doing and they're not talking to you about what good form is, you don't know what the good form is. Therefore, if you do it incorrectly, you're more likely to cause a problem rather than actually strengthen your dog. Um, so that was so that would be something that I would say. So you need to be willing to learn. You need a good eye. You need to know what to look for. Um, and you also obviously need to check with a physio if they've got a condition, et cetera, that it's OK to actually start doing this with them as well. Um, so obviously you've said as long as the dog is healthy, but that are just reiterating that again for people. You need to check with your vet. You need to check with your physio um, if they've got a clinical condition that they're OK to actually go ahead and do these exercises. Um, yeah, that was the last one. Awesome. That was a good set of questions. I know we've got more, but I think we'll go through, we've said we'll go through that on a um, second podcast. So we are all done for today then. That was awesome. I'm hoping that you found like the answers useful to those questions. Oh yes, absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Um, have you got anything else you want to add before we uh, jump off? Not really. I think the answer's been okay. Cool, cool. Really well, well, so. To everybody that's on here, um, if you guys have got any questions that you'd like answered, we can absolutely go through them for you. Don't forget, you can drop them in the um, comment section. Uh, you can send me an email. Um, I'll put the email that you can sort of contact me on in the description. Um, or you can contact me on Facebook or on Instagram if you want to send some questions in as well that you would like answered. We can absolutely do that for you. Brilliant. Thank you so much for joining me today, Charlie. It's been a pleasure having you here. Thank you for answering the questions. Not a problem at all. And we'll speak to you very soon. Bye, everybody. I want to say a massive thank you to all our wonderful audience for taking the time to listen to this episode of the Canine Fitness Fanatics podcast. Our mission is to help condition dogs to reduce the risk of injury and increase longevity, whether that's in sporting dogs, working dogs or pet dogs. All dogs can benefit from a little extra fitness. So if you enjoyed this episode, please don't forget to subscribe, share and leave a review to help us reach more people and help dogs around the world. Remember fitness fanatics, form is everything. Mm -hmm.